Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It's Pastor Paul here on a crisp, cool Wednesday, November 8th. So glad that you've joined us. We take 10 or 15 minutes here every weekday to work through a portion of God's Word that we're going to be preaching on for that upcoming Sunday. And of course, this season, um, in quite a while now, we've been in the Gospel of Matthew. And so we are in Matthew chapter 12. And the goal, of course, of these times is not just to, to, to dispense theological information or biblical knowledge, but to help you um, and I to, to kind of study the passage together and hopefully giving you some tools that you can use as you study and apply God's Word for yourself. So Matthew chapter 12, uh, a short passage, verses 38 through 42. Let me read it, kind of catch us up to where we've been and um, talk about where we're going. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. So we left off last time, and I asked you to just sort of thumb through your concordance, your study Bible, um, through the Gospel of Matthew, and to, to kind of get a glimpse of all the many times that there seems to be these themes of judgment, hardness of heart, um, refusal to repent on the part of the Pharisees, despite the most obvious, miraculous, supernatural signs of Jesus— and one of the reasons I wanted you to do that was so that you can see, obviously, that this follows a similar pattern, because this passage does. Because if, if you were just to read this out of context, you might say, well, what's wrong with this request? Um, they're asking for a uh, supernatural sign, um, most likely a sign from heaven, fire from heaven. This is what the prophets of old did to validate their their prophetic ministry, they're thinking probably principally of Elijah here. Um, this man purports to be greater than Elijah and John the Baptist. So, so the, the, this would seem not to be an unreasonable request. However, when you situate it in context, you come to understand that um, this was part of a larger pattern. It was part of a predetermined judgment that they had made against him and they, and they really weren't interested in um, Jim, Jesus demonstrating the validity of his authority. I mean, he, he could have done anything, and they would have discounted it, explained it away. Now, there's two Old Testament examples that Jesus draws from here to make his point. And obviously, we want to understand why he chose those two examples and how this lends itself to the larger point. So the, the, the two Old Testament people are incidences he references, of course, are Jonah and um, Jonah's being swallowed by the great fish and spit up and then 
Jonah preaching repentance to the Ninevites. Then he references the queen of the south or the queen of Sheba. Um, this was someone, or we're going to look at this in just a second, um, who came to see the splendor of Solomon and his reputation. So we want to look at those two things to help us understand. And we're going to, we're going to focus on the queen of the south and the queen of Sheba this morning and then look at Jonah tomorrow. So again, if you have a reference Bible, a study Bible, a concordance, um, there might be a little notation by verse 42, and that notation is going to tell you where this incident is referenced in the Old Testament. And here it tells me it's 1 Kings 10, 2 Chronicles 9. And so uh, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 10, okay? Um, it's really the same narration of the same event with some slight differences, but, but for our purposes, let's go to 1 Kings 10, 1, okay? And let's read this in context because it's going to help us understand the point that Jesus is making, um, and it's going to help us understand why he calls them, for, for uh, actually calls them a wicked and adulterous nation for asking for a sign, okay? And, and, and let's read 1 Kings 10, the Queen of Sheba. Now, when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Okay, sorry, I missed the point. There we go. Okay, test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered to the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. And she said to the king, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came, here's the key point, and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half you told me, the half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. Okay. So interesting parallel here. What are two things that it says the queen of Sheba came to do? One, she came to test Solomon. Okay. Um, and two, she came to see his, this splendor that she'd heard all about with her own two eyes. Okay. And boy, does that not sound just like the Pharisees? They, they come to Jesus, they're testing him. Um, they want to see a sign with their own two eyes. And here the queen of Sheba says, not only have I seen it with my own eyes, but it's, far more than I ever dreamed. It far surpasses my expectations, I do believe. Um, the, this word is trustworthy and true about your great splendor, Solomon. And she gives him praise and adoration and glory, and as we read on in the passage, gifts. Okay, so Jesus' point is this. The Queen of Sheba came to see a mere man, Solomon, 
um, and his wealth. And once she saw it with her own two eyes, she acknowledged it and gave praise and honor and glory where it was due. Now Jesus says, you also come to test me and you have been watching me this whole time. You've seen everything that I've done. And somehow, some way, despite it all, you've explained it away, all right? You, you've refused to believe, even though you have seen it with your own two eyes, just like the Queen of Sheba. And it would, it would be the equivalent of the Queen of Sheba going and seeing Solomon and all his splendor and all this, and at the end of it saying, Solomon, I'm still not sure you're the wealthiest man on earth. Can, can you show me some more, okay? It would be outrageous. It would be outlandish. What would you determine? Well, she did not go there seek. You would determine she would not go there honestly and forthrightly and with a pure heart to, to have her questions answered. She'd already predetermined the outcome. Well, that's not what she did. And Jesus is saying, but that's what you're doing, Pharisees. You've predetermined the outcome. It doesn't matter what you see, what I do, what I say. Um, the reason that you're not acknowledging me because it would require something of you that you are not willing to give. It would require humility. It would require repentance. It would require change. It would require shame, embarrassment. Yes, glory on the other side, but it would require you to go low. It would require you to relinquish your hand from um, the levers of power and um, to become least uh, among the men in order to be great in my kingdom. And this is something, obviously, they were not willing to do. They were not willing to relinquish their grip on power and money and authority and all of these things. And so Jesus says, this is why you are wicked. It's why you are adulterous. Um, it's why um, at the end of time, the queen of Sheba will rise up and judge you, right? Because... Um, she believed seeing something much less than the Son of God. You've seen me in the flesh, and you have refused to repent. So I think that's what the point is here. Now, obviously, there's lots of great application for us. All of us, in our hardness of hearts, come to God with predetermined outcomes, with the uncanny ability to shape the evidence to support our position to get ourselves out of sticky jams, to, to do anything except to repent, right? Or to change or confess. And this is where we have to ask God for his mercy, okay? We have to say, God, this is the propensity of my heart. I'm more like the Pharisees than I am the Queen of Sheba, uh, the Queen of the South. And so, Lord, help me believe. Help me to trust. Help me to discern. Um, I come to you in a posture of hands wide open, open palm, and saying, God, let me do as you ask. I'm just a servant, and I want to follow you in obedience. That's a great lesson for us, okay? Now, tomorrow, we're going to take a deep dive into Jonah, and as a masterful storyteller, Jesus has not just one thing to tell us about the life and ministry of, of, of Jonah, but two things. And that's going to be key for understanding the kind of sign that Jesus says he offers 
everyone. All right, let's pray. Lord, um, we confess that our, our hearts are hard, they're stubborn, and we need your Holy Spirit to make them soft, malleable, and open to you, your spirit, and your word. So Lord, um, we're just like the Pharisees. Um, make us more like um, the Queen of Sheba as she was given demonstration of your worth and your faithfulness and believed. And so, Lord, we want to do the same. Lord, help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.